Happy, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day wherever you are on this phenomenal planet. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette, super agent, creator and founder of all kinds of stuff. It's been wild, wild out here. Uh, I want to, I'm going to, I want to say a thank you message to my industry professionals. But before I do that, because I'm going to be talking on a topic today that could easily say, well, I blame this person and I blame that person. And so no blaming. I want to put it in context. We'll be talking about delayed escrow closings. I know people are like, oh my gosh, Lisa, tell me about it. It's this person and it's that person. And it does create a lot of stress, oftentimes unnecessary stress. So I want to delve into this, but before I do that, you know, I've got to do my disclaimers. We got to shout out our, our show sponsor. And of course, if you're new to the show, press one, lets me know you're here. That is the price of admission for getting these real estate gems and press two lets me know you shared it. And if I share anything that is mind blowing or worth a mic drop, we welcome the mic emoji. Drop that in the chat below. I am active in the chat box as well. So when I'm in there typing and taking notes and adding to this, it's so that you have a point of reference. Okay. I will share a slide today. So we'll kind of do today's discussion of classroom style. You know, I love classroom styles. So this is what we'll do today. Okay. Um, let's get into it. Woohoo. I've got to remind you first. Okay. Let, let's, let's, right replay remix ooh and put my phones on silent so make sure you are writing down your real estate goals we are ending second quarter congrats for those of you who are closing second quarter who are opening escrows during the second quarter um it's end of month so i think it's timely for us to discuss close of escrow especially during the end of the month and we're halfway through the year. Oh my goodness, we're halfway through the year. That's just, wow. And I've been feeling a lot more, um, I would say, I've got a heavier load, right? My load is quite heavy. And so I'm learning what my limits are. I'm learning to take more time for myself and time out because you know, when you have multiple transactions and you're doing uh, X, Y, Z to stay within contract timelines, of course, wanting to protect your client's money or protect your seller's interests, there's a lot involved in that. And so now that it's summer, I am learning and I'm really happy about this because it's summer to now get back to beach time. And my days are now, I finished my days, go lay out on the beach, detox and decompress and leave it all behind me and then start anew the next day. So I implore you to include personal health, time for self in that quarterly goals. Has to be in there. Has to be in there. Write down those goals. All right. Disclaimers, disclaimers. So I did mention, oh, you know what? I should do it this way. Boom. Right. So Broker owner, that's main Devenio of Devenio States, completely separate from the show. In fact, um, someone asked me the other day and they were like, they were, I guess they were confused that Ready Set Real Estate was my brokerage. It's not. Ready, Real, Ready Set Real Estate is not a brokerage. It's not a real estate company. In fact, it's our training umbrella where I do, I am a professional agent trainer. So I train under that. I offer coaching. Uh, services. We used to do kind of like a six month thing. I now do it month to month and I can do it on a call in terms of an individual basis where if you need something just for that moment, uh, I can come on in and, and tweak some stuff and see it from a different perspective because we all do need that. We need maybe a third eye uh, individual or person to come on board and say, okay, let, let's look at it, at it this way. Of course, working with agent professionals, broker professionals, we always defer to consult your broker, see what your broker says, see what your broker says, what is your broker policy, and you want to follow that. 
right? What your broker says. But of course, uh, in terms of growing you, right? Growing you as a real estate prof uh, professional, growing this as a career, I'm 16 years in, and I've had tremendous growth. A lot of you've seen that. A lot of you've been with me since my early career, early days in this, working part-time and then full-blown full-time, and you see a drastic difference. And to that, I attest to discipline, commitment, and sticking to what is important for me. This has been important for me, for me to see myself in a certain light, to see myself at a certain level and continue to strive. So that is very easy for me. All right. And in terms of my background and experience, uh, we're here in Southern California, SoCal. We do refer out to other individuals, companies in other areas or states, other markets. I am a pricing strategy advisor, certified foreclosure specialist. That specialist, the, the, the term specialist on the end of each of these things always makes me think about, um, it feels funny to hear it, yet I do realize it, it has a significance to distinguish you from other professionals who may not have the experience or the training. We're doing more and more probates, which I love because I it's my wheelhouse. So twofold, it's twofold. Proof, proof probates are twofold for me. It allows me to work with families that have lost a, a loved one. And so that for me is near and dear. And yes, it's not always amenable or agreeable. There are people in situations that don't get along. And yet it allows us to come in and really almost mediate, right? We get to mediate between the parties for the mutual goal, which is to settle the estate and close out the estate. And I am really honored to work with those families and we are continually growing uh, our area in probate and we are now developing a probate training and I'm gathering lots of notes for that and working closely with our probate attorneys as we put this together because it's needed as we are seeing the market pivot into probate trusts now foreclosures i said on the last show we expect at least in my california market to see short sales because of hero and pace liens that property owners put onto their property. And that bill is just as much as a mortgage in some cases. And we're here for them. I also must add that I'm also trained and designated as a seniors real estate specialist. And that just means that I got training and experience in working with our senior market does require, I think, extra attention when you're working with seniors, patients. And when we prep their property for the market, it would behoove us as professionals to really look at how the property is presented because some things can deter or dissuade or make buyers feel like the property is worth less because it's been accommodated for someone who's aged in place. I'll give you an example. Grab bars, right? Uh, fence, uh, uh, the... Um, the rails by the doorway, ramps, custom uh, toilets, tubs. These are all things that when it comes to market could deter would-be buyers and they would then consider the property being worth less because they, again, have been uh, upgraded or improved to accommodate a senior who is aging in place. Those are things that we should be Considering as professionals and mindful when we work with our senior clients. So that's my little tidbit. All right. Before we jump into today's episode, of course, shout out to our sponsor, show sponsor, and our radio podcast listeners. Gotta love on you, love on you. Love that more and more of you are talking about Ready Set Real Estate because I am seeing the audience and the viewership and the listening audience grow. So we are radio podcasts everywhere on your favorite platform, wherever you use that. I want to say thank you and thank you. Thank you for those of you who reach out to me and say that last episode, 
was so helpful. A lot of you have texted me, connected with me. A lot of you have asked me about even putting on your own shows. And so stay tuned as I collaborate with some of the other organizations in the industry. I've done those trainings in the past, how to create your podcast in four steps. I've done training in the past on how to create your own virtual studio. So you can host your own virtual webinar or workshops if you decided. So I, you know me, I'm, I lead, I lead with there's abundance. There's tons of, uh, tons available for all of us to win and it, serves me nothing doesn't take from me if i share with you all right all right all right all right all right <laughs> is that kevin hart sticks with you okay before we jump again into the segment make sure you bring a pen pad paper tablet pencil when we come right back after the sponsor break we'll jump right into talking about today's episode, top three ways or top, excuse me, top three delays for your escrow closing. We'll be right back. Do you have properties that need to be maintained? For professional services that guarantee your property will stay safe and secure, Omnis Property is the team you want by your side. As a company, we pride ourselves on our best-in-class professionals, equipped with the latest technology for all your end-to-end property preservation needs. That means that from start to finish, our expert team can handle everything from accurate assessments to preservation projects of all sizes. Save money and time by working with leading experts that understand your needs and are committed to premier service. Get started today by contacting us for your project estimate. Visit www.omnispreservation.com or call 310-957-9132. That's some good stuff right there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Visit omnispreservation.com, Omnis Property Solutions. I imagine a lot, a lot more of you will be needing those services for uh, lockouts, tenant relocations, cleanouts, board ups what else they do light repairs just things to make sure your property is prepped and given that one of my industry colleagues shared a video with me and it was talking about this problem we have with rent and it was saying how many people were behind in rent how many millions of americans were behind on rent and essentially that meant if they're behind on rent, it's being reported negatively on their credit report, thereby impacting their ability to qualify for, for example, an FHA insured loan. It does put some perspective, but it also referenced those individuals who earn less than 100000 are likely to be behind on rent and likely to face eviction. So we do anticipate more forced camps encampments for people whose lives will continue to be uprooted as this market continues to do what it is doing shifting of course that's what it's doing all right say hi say hello make sure you drop a comment down below let me know you're here press one if you're catching us on the live two lets me know you shared it and then if you catch us on the replay, go ahead and drop hashtag replay in the chat below. Okay, hashtag replay in the chat below. We are in episode 169. Woo woo, can I get a woo woo? 169, 169 episodes strong. We're in there. We are in there, in this piece. Okay, so <laughs> let me give my apologies. First, it's not an apology. Let me love on my industry professionals. Who would that be? My escrow officers, my notaries, uh, lenders, mortgage brokers, mortgage bankers, loan consultants. <laughs> I'm using all various names that I see you all go by. Who else? My inspectors, home inspectors, city inspectors, our appraisal, uh, excuse me, our appraisers. Uh, who a title, our title company. It sounds like I just won an award, right? Like who, who else do I need to give thanks to? Who? <laughs> Absolutely. When you close escrow, you're like thanking everybody. You're thanking the team. My TCs, transaction coordinator, 
who else? Who, who else? I, I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> who else? Who else? Help me out. Who am I missing? Um, TCs, inspectors, title, escrow, lenders. Mm. I think I've got most everyone encompassed in that in that list, right? And every sub person in there. And so as we talk about delayed escrows, it, that's usually because there are a lot of moving parts, meaning there are people, places and things involved. The nouns are involved. And with the nouns being involved, that means we are attempting to control an outcome with various parts. And this is why I have to say, I don't think I, I don't think I've done a dedicated show on escrow closings as I'm recalling. I've spoken about escrow. I have not done a dedicated show on escrow closing. So make sure you bookmark this episode, save this episode. Uh, escrow also refers to settlement. If you are in other uh, up north or if you are outside of the state, also known as the escrow process. Uh, shout out to our title attorneys because they also handle escrow slash settlement. Who else? Who else? All right. I think I've got everyone covered. Good stuff. Now, why I'm saying thank you to all of them? Because they're integral. They're very important to this process and this experience, right? We are all still having an experience of opening and closing escrow. I'll, I'll kind of bring it back a, a notch. And I don't want to assume that you know what escrow is. In fact, I wrote a book called Just Fell Out of Escrow, Top Five Reasons a Property Does Not Sell. It's a, kind of like a guidebook. It's really thin, easy to read. I use it as a giveaway to my seller clients because I like to set them up with realistic expectations. I like to be realistic. I like to be practical. And when I share that with them, they really appreciate that it's a fast read. And so I invite you if, you, if you need something kind of handy to give you some tips on how to maneuver escrows when they go left, instead of going straight, how do we jump back on the straight road? I provide some tips in there, how you can front load your deals, right? You as a listing agent or a seller's agent, by the way, I just noticed this. The industry is now, when I say industry, I'm talking about um, the multiple listing servers. They are now going to be changing on our in our data input sheet. The listing agent will now be referred to a seller's agent because no one really understands who the listing agent is. And it seems that a more common way to refer to the listing agent has been the seller's agent. And confusingly, the buyer's agent was referred to as the selling agent. If you've taken a class with me, if your children have taken a class with me, they've learned this. And I've said this to them time and time again, and they cracked up. I said, if you understand this, you understand more than most agents out here uh, because I get this question all the time with new agents. Who's the listing agent? Who's the selling agent? Even though these are tests quite, these are tested on the state exam. And I realize the industry is now looking to conform to what the common titles or phrases people are using to refer to these parties. I say all that to say, thank you to all these professionals that are working collectively because you can, and I'm sure we've all had our moments where we felt like we were at war with other parties. Full disclaimer, oftentimes, oh, disclaimer, hello, pause, 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 pause. <laughs> Time out, disclaimer. All right, the information provided here on this show should not be considered legal or tax advice. Please seek those licensed, reputable professionals regarding your specific case. And we're back. <laughs> I had to do that. Have to do that. Cover all bases because I'm giving lots of information. I had a colleague ask me, where do you get your information from? 
tons of sources. I'm a reader. I'm a reader. I recall they said that to us in high school. Readers are leaders. Remember to read. That was the, the morning announcement on the PA and homeroom. Readers are leaders. Remember to read. And now I'm in my adult life realizing how true that is. How true. Okay, so <clears throat> escrow is usually and should be a neutral party that assists the seller and buyer with two things. That's the transfer of the title, transfer of title, and let me say this, transfer of title. And the second thing is the exchange of the money. Neutral party. I say usually should be neutral party. Yes, when the contracts are negotiated, you do have seller typically want to choose their vendors their service vendors like their title companies and their escrow company. So it is something that can be negotiated. And we do receive disclaimers that the escrow company oftentimes might be owned by the uh, seller or it might be owned by the broker and they're using an in-house escrow company. And I talk about that in the book as well, like the significance to that, the difference to that, and one being uh, overseen by the Department of Business Oversight and one being uh, over overseen, right? The oversight by the Department of Corporations and Finance, I, if I recall correctly. And they require, score officers require uh, X amount of experience if you are under one entity independently, meaning independent escrow company versus a an affiliate company or broker owned escrow there are requirements i provide all that in the book like details onto that oftentimes we don't think much about the escrow and we should uh we should really think about that relationship their role in our transactions certainly you can use a title company as well who handles the title insurance and they also offer settlement services as well I know lenders, when they're doing refinances, they like to use title companies for their settlement services. They, they feel it saves time and um, saves time and money in that process. From a new purchase experience, from, from what I see, I oftentimes like to bring in an escrow, independent escrow company. And that's usually because there's a lot of moving parts with uh, required documents and amendments and things that would be another set of eyes to oversee the transaction. I did an escrow with uh, another company. I was in an escrow with an escrow company that I was not familiar with. And there are services that were not offered as part of what they do, to which I was accustomed to when I work with our existing escrow companies, the ones we have relationships with, that handle certain filings and reports and getting things done. Other escrow companies like this one I was working with said, no, we don't do that. And that was something that was now placed on the the bot, the seller to do, which is an added step during a time and a process that is already stressful. So I look at things like that. How do we alleviate some of the additional stressors we're putting on our clients? that maybe we as professionals can work through and help it be a lot more efficient and smooth. Let's make it smooth. <laughs> All right, you do notice here that my close of escrow is an estimated date. Let's, set, let's start there. When you write your contract, your contract, and I'm getting more into the habit of putting a date putting a date. Dates are, are easier, so we're all clear. And contracts usually will say uh, 21 days, 30 days, 45 days, 15 days, 7 days, 10 days, or a date. You have the option to put a date. I like to be, I'm, I'm now again in my amendments or counter offers, I'm now stipulating a date so we're clear. I also confirm when I have the opportunity to, as a seller's agent, to confirm on the contract the date the offer was accepted. Dates are period are, are important because we calculate 
whatever plus days from the date the offer was accepted. So if you communicate to the parties, albeit escrow settlement services, the date of acceptance, and then you have a contract. Thought I put it on mute, y'all. I did. <laughs> That's the work line. When you have, excuse me, when you have an escrow, excuse me, when you have a contract that stipulates dates, 21 days, 10 days, et cetera, they're now calculating it based on signatures. Okay, what was the acceptance date? So if you have an opportunity to say, here was the acceptance date, it makes it easier for everyone to now calculate everything else. Here, you'll notice that. So we're calculating the date of acceptance. What was that date? Then from that there, the contract says, how many days will the earnest money deposit be submitted? By default, our contract says three business days. We've seen it changed. I've changed it, of course. I put something of a less time when I'm working on probates or foreclosures, working with investors or developers where we want funds wired within 24 hours of the acceptance date. So we're a little bit more aggressive there because it we're on a an aggressive timeline, meaning we're up against auction dates, trustee sale dates, we're against hearing dates. And so very important that we're we're all on the same page that we're moving forward on condition that the deposit will be wired or submitted within 24 hours, 48 hours, two business days, right, etc. Again, from what? The acceptance date. Then we have escrow opened. <clears throat> Typically escrow will then be opened. And once they receive the deposit, now this is for normal standard transactions, and I have to disclaim that. For, for standard transactions where you do have a deposit as a condition of the offer to be submitted to escrow, escrow will uh, open up your escrow file and then opening escrow packets are then prepared once the deposit has been confirmed and received by escrow. Your opening escrow packets will go out, that's your seller and your buyer side will go out. And then meanwhile, agents, and seller and buyer are working through the escrow terms and conditions regarding inspect inspections, that's the due diligence, appraisal, if there's financing involved, if this is a contingent deal, contingent meaning it's on condition of a finance, tra a finance uh, transaction or loan. And then once those conditions are met, then the buyer moves on to loan signing, meaning we've gotten clear to close, right? So you go from conditional approval, you go from pre-approval, conditional approval to final approval. There are even stages in the underwriting of the loan. While all this is happening simultaneously. So do recall, just imagine your, in your mind what this looks like. You submit an offer and you're excited about purchasing or seller, you've received an offer and you're excited about selling this house and moving on. So while that excitement is happening, you have two things happening simultaneously with finance transactions. Not only is the borrower subject to underwriting, meaning they are FICO, their income, their finances, um, all have to be checked out and cleared the property by way of the appraisal appraisers the eyes for the lender for the bank regarding property condition and meeting hud guidelines regarding that particular loan so if it's fha loan if it's a va loan usda loan a conventional loan even private money hard money will also send out a bpo which is a broker priced opinion i.e., for example, an appraiser, appraiser, they'll do their appraisal so that they can calculate, um, so that the property meets their requirements as well. So you have two things happening. The borrower is going through underwriting, the property is going through underwriting as well for clearance. Now, once we have that and we're ready to go on finance transactions, the, the, the buyer will sign their loan docs. Those documents will get submitted back to escrow 
and will be divvied up between lenders and escrows for a final check, making sure every, every I is dotted, every T is crossed, everything's in order. Then they'll give notice of when the, the remaining balance of the funds have been wired. The, the buyer may be required to bring their remaining closing costs. The lender will then wire the remaining balance of the purchase price, and then we can confirm that we funded. Usually, if it's not a same-day closing, uh, funding happens, then recording happens 24 to 48 hours. So I've talked about, in essence, right, a lot of moving parts, a lot of different things that need to happen, but I really want to break this down in a way that you can understand where delays may show up. You with me? Not in your head. Yes. All right. Feeling good about this? Great. Me too. Me too. Um, delays can happen. It will happen. Uh, let me let me do this here because I don't want to. Okay. Only if I because I I cross I cross broadcast with ERGJ Enterprises. Uh, my brother Evan Jefferson continually doing awesome things for the community. And I just want to make sure because I'm past my showtime usually, and I don't want to intercede or intercept with any other broadcasters. So if I start to see the chat gets funky, I'm going to remove us from his channel. And this is me doing this while I'm taking notes. All right. Sidebar. That's sidebar in production. <laughs> All right. Reason number one for Delays in your closing timeline. Inspection reports are delayed. So you will oftentimes see that in your contract, the seller may counter and say, we want you to schedule your inspection within three days of acceptance. Although you might have an inspection contingency, if you don't know contingencies, I did a whole show on contingencies and all of them. Go check the show archives. The inspection <laughs> contingency is usually 10 days, 12 days, by default, uh, 17 days in the contract, unless it's shortened or lengthened. 17 days, I think, is sufficient. Although in this booming market, the way the market was really fired up, inspectors were really busy, and it was, it has been challenging booking inspectors on a short notice once you open escrow. So delaying scheduling your inspections and completing your due diligence. Delaying receiving the city pre-sale inspection reports. So certain cities require that the city come out and you're waiting on them to come out and itemize anything that they call out that is not in compliance or code regarding that property. And then they prepare the report and then they issue a laundry list of things that need to be cured. That can be a delay. Delay in the appraisal report. Again, uh, albeit it's a delay in scheduling, delay in availability, delay in having it checked or cleared. Uh, so it goes through a review process before, usually, I've seen appraisals released before they were cleared and reviewed. And we were in an escrow where the buyer receives their appraisal report before it was cleared and reviewed. And on that grounds, they removed their appraisal contingency, but then the lender recalled the appraisal report for corrections that would have affected the value. And that could have, <laughs> I, I went there y'all, I just went there. I was like, oh my gosh, that escrow. <laughs> That escrow was delayed, by the way, by 20, 18 days. We're delayed by 18 days. And if you're not a flexible person, you would likely wig out. You stress out and be like, oh my gosh, we're not closing. This requires you to have this meaning the sale, buying and selling, and doing this every single day as a professional requires you to have a temperament of flexibility and patience on top of your diligence like you still have to be sharp you still have to be on it things are going to go left and then you need to be able to steer it back right you know and get back on board it'll go right and you've got to make sure you get it back on board 
<laughs> which is why I've seen the memes where it's like when once you're in escrow and we're like, Ooh, hold on. It's usually a pleasure for me to have a very nice and smooth escrow. I kicked off this year with one of those. It was a 21 day close cash, cash purchase. And it was awesome. And I was like, this is the way to start. This is the way to start off 2022. <laughs> Shantae Earl is in the building. He says, preach, preach. He knows, he knows. He's a realtor professional. He understands, he gets it, that we've got to have some temperament of flexibility and adjustment and being realistic, being realistic. And I'm going to come back to that. So delays on any of these inspections, your appraisal, scheduling is going to delay your closing timeline. That's what we're discussing today. That will delay your closing timeline. What else will delay your closing timeline is, slides going backwards, going backwards. Number two, returning escrow paperwork. This is a big one. This for me is a huge one. Returning escrow paperwork. How many of you received packages? Even you're opening your mail. You know you 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 delayed in opening your mail. You're delayed in sending the bill. You forget. Same thing happens in escrow. You get a packet of paperwork, and this is why I oftentimes encourage our clients to go sign at escrow when these packets are delivered to you. And we closed a transaction where the client, seller client said, email me the paperwork. She did not realize how much paper that was. So if my clients are doing this for the first time, and I share with you, if your clients are doing this for the first time, if you are the client and you're doing this for the first time, go sit with escrow, go sit with your, your, your real estate professional and complete this paperwork because there's things in there that are time sensitive, like getting paperwork completed for the 9A report. If you're in LA, city of LA requires that unless you're waiving it. But even if you're waiving it, guess what? Depending on your escrow, even if you're waiving it, they still need to get it and it still needs to be done. So there's some things you can waive and there's some things that still need to happen. The other critical part is, and I've seen this, and this creates an issue. In fact, I've been in a 24 month long issue on getting the grant deed conveyed to my buyer, which is why she sued for specific performance. We are still in that. So we'll update you on the outcome. We just had our trial this past week. So for those of you who've been working with me or connecting with me and I've been absent, it's because I've been vested and consumed. I was subpoenaed to testify to that transaction and uh, the case concluded yesterday and we'll await our decision uh, in terms of either receiving a judgment in our favor or not. So pray for, pray for us, y'all, pray for us. <laughs> this has been a long escrow and more so my client, you know, gosh, I, I continue to send love i love on her uh and and send positive vibes because it again that requires another temperament to hang in there that you've been wanting and waiting for buying your first property only to not have it turn out the way it should in a 30-day escrow so talk about delay in paperwork paperwork if you have mishaps where the seller or there's someone else involved that needs to sign the grant deed to convey or transfer, that convey means you're transferring title from seller to buyer. Someone needs to sign off on that. Oftentimes you'll have quick claim paperwork. If you have parties that do not want to play nicely and they don't want to sign the quick claim. I remember once upon a time I was in a transaction where my seller client received the property by way of a quick claim from her ex-husband we had to go back for insurance reasons, title required it, an affidavit to be signed by the party who quit claim to make sure there was no fraud involved. 
to make sure that they were of sound mind, to make sure they were competent and they understood they were they were relinquishing or releasing, because that's what the verbiage says. It says, I remiss, I release my interest in this property to this person. And when you, uh, and I, my transaction with that was a couple of years ago. I've heard it in various other agents say the similar thing. When people come back and say, hey, we need you, escrow needs you to sign that quick claim or an affidavit. The person says, all of a sudden, I have amnesia. I've forgotten. I don't remember signing that, but I'll sign it now for $20,000. I don't remember that. No, 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 I don't recall. I'll sign it now for $40,000. So that will throw you for a serious loop, okay? You with me here? Yes. All right. Just just making sure real life stuff happening. <clears throat> and the last one is the one I started to mention. Reason number three should be reason number one on realistic closing dates. Writing an offer with a timeline that you cannot close. Or accepting an offer with a timeline that will not close within those specified timeframes. So I've given my, from my experience, some, some estimates of what it typically looks like to close these types of trans transactions. Cash to loan transactions, 50 to 21 days. Even if you're doing cash transactions, why I say, um, I, I, I've done one in 12, 12 days. And the reason being is because buyer and seller still have to sign paperwork. They still have to sign grant deeds. And that requires a notary. That requires scheduling. The preliminary title report still needs to be ordered, right? And checked and cleared. Sometimes that's alone a two to three day turnaround process. Working with an escrow officer, rock star, superstar, even with them getting everything done and package, you want to make sure you're confirming everything's done correctly. Because when you press on for fast closings, you now expose yourself to mistakes and errors and omissions. So I, even though someone says we can close in seven days, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that. No. What we will do is do a 15 day minimum and then if we need to adjust from there, or if I need to pivot because you're not performing, then that's what we'll do. So cash to loan transactions, when I say cash to loan, that usually refers to our hard money of private funds transactions because private money will require BPOs, broker priced opinions slash appraisals to be completed so that they can conclude or finish their underwriting of that hard money, private money. So 21 days, 27 days, depending on how efficiently the team for the hard money works. We're in one right now doing a cash to loan transaction. The buyer decided that I what that he was not going to use his cash reserves. Instead, he pivoted and decided that he's going to use the hard money, which is fine. What that means now, we have to amend our escrow. We have to amend our escrow to stipulate and show that the money will now be um, coming from private funds and that it is not, why do we amend it and stipulate this? That it's not a contingency of the purchase. Meaning if your hard money doesn't work out for you, that's not your out as a buyer. You're either gonna have to use your, go back to using your reserves or you risk losing your deposit. In this case, it's 10% and 77,000 on this particular transaction. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to risk. Don't play with these timelines because then what happens is you get notice to performs and demands to close escrow, which then leads to cancellation of contracts and risking your deposit if you're on the buy side and you're not performing. Same goes for seller. You are bound to the contract. You're bound to timelines. And if you don't do your part, the buyer can give you notice to perform and a demand to close and then seek, seek suit.
for either damages or specific performance. Okay. This is why being realistic about your closing dates are important because then you just remove all the stress. Then people go, okay, well, we'll sit back and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through this with an understanding that it's going to be X amount of days and an understanding that the close of escrow date is an estimated, recall, I put it in red for a reason, an estimated date. Finance transactions, 21 days to 45 days, depending on whether, when I close 21 days finance transactions, albeit a FHA loan or a conventional loan, it's usually because our lender partners have front loaded the borrower. What does that mean? They've done everything up front and shaved the underwriting time by two weeks because they collected every documentation they needed. They submitted the file to underwriting for a pre-screening and for what we call a to be determined approval. That makes them a cash equivalent buyer. I like it when my buyers have a TBD, TBD approval. You now see these, this on the California contracts, on the car contracts. You now see there's now three boxes for pre-qualified, pre-approval, or fully underwritten as it relates to the type of approval the buyer received. So you may ask as a buyer, prospective buyer, as you're shopping for your loan and you're with a mortgage broker, you're with a direct lender, or you go to your banking institution, albeit a credit union or a depository institution, you want to ask, how am I being qualified and approved? Do I have a pre-qualification? Do I have a pre-approval? Or have I been fully underwritten? Because based on how you are qualified slash approved will determine how many days it will take the lender to complete finalizing your loan approval because you got to go from all of those steps to final loan approval. And that could be a 21 to 45 day process. Again, in that, I'm going to hold you accountable as a buyer client. You are accountable to being responsive to those emails that your lending team sends you regarding the conditions that they need. We need proof of current bank statement. We need your last paycheck stub. We need to confirm that you paid off this credit card. We need that receipt. We need, um, there's tons of different things that may come up in your situation that they're called conditions. Conditions to your approval means here's a checklist that we are approving it as long as we can document or clear some of these things. So it's on you as well that affects the closing timeline. I've had a few clients that were like spot on with getting stuff back. I mean, same day or that night. And my lender partners are like, man, I wish everyone was like them. <laughs> exactly. Because we're aware of these timelines. Then the last uh, type of transaction or purchase that would have an unrealistic closing date are those associated with down payment assistance transactions. If you're getting city funding, some, you know, depending on some grant money or layered funding, meaning you've got a, a, a junior loan and second loan, a silent loan, a third loan, we call I call those those wraparound loans where you're doing 100% financing. Those can and do take a minimum of 60 days. I recall working with a client after she came to me after working or unsuccessfully working with a previous agent who wrote a 21-day offer that got accepted, but she was receiving city down payment money. Minimum 60 days. That is an unrealistic timeline for that. And what that creates is rooms for per diem charges. What does that mean? If I have to go and ask for an extension or you have to ask the seller for an extension, the seller may say, we'll give it to you on the condition that you pay us per day for every day you go past our estimated close of escrow date. Haven't seen those in a while. People were not as aggressive 
But there was a time about five years ago, it seemed like everyone was writing per diems. And that means that they could charge you anywhere from $25 per day. And I've seen it as high as $200 per day. Every day that the escrow is delayed. All right. I'm going to leave it up to you. Any comments, questions, feedback? How are you feeling about this information? Was it helpful? Gave you some gems? Maybe we'll now have you think about how you write an offer, accept an offer, prepare an offer as it relates to closing timelines, because being realistic about it is the best way to mitigate the stress, the unnecessary stress, and just prepare the parties. I get it. You want to be attractive to the seller and say, I can close this in 10 days. But now they're going based on what you wrote on that contract and they can hold you to it, which means if you don't do it, you're now breach of that contract and you now uh, owe performance of the contract terms. Not only will you stress your clients out, you as a client, if you're agreeing to these, right, ask, ask. What is my escrow timeline? Can this, can we do it in this time? You know, can this get done? Just so that you've done your part in asking the right questions. All right. Shantae says, thank you. Very informative. I'm glad I can be of support and help. Listen, if you have any topic suggestions or anyone that you would recommend that come on the show, make sure you tag and share. Let me know. I'm happy to bring them on. I'm lining up my next show guests and we'll be talking about, we'll be kind of covering uh, different movements that we see happening right now that are affecting the market and different markets and a lot more, lot more tangible information that you can apply to how you're doing real estate every day. All right. With that, I say have a powerful and productive week. We'll see you next week on another information packed episode on Ready, Set, real estate. Bye.